Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by Daniel Blem, one of the men of Moses Lake. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Genesis chapter number 45, and if you're physically able to do so, I'm going to have you stand in honor to the reading of God's Word. I just want to read just a few verses here. I'm going to try and preach to you the entirety of Genesis chapter number 45, but really we're just going to look at one phrase here tonight as we look at uh, this particular um, thought. And uh, Carlos, you can go ahead and put that title slide up now of simply just staying the course, staying the course. As we look to a new year, as we look at what this past year has had, as uh, in a sense we're saying goodbye, I want to encourage you, just as the Lord has challenged me, to stay the course, to stay faithful, to continue on. And so Genesis chapter number 45, you have your place there, and all God's people said, shake that bush. Come on, you got to shake that bush one last time. And uh, Cooper even text messaged me tonight through Sarah to make sure that Daddy said to shake that bush. And so... Uh, We're going to shake that bush a little bit tonight, I trust. So Genesis chapter number 45, look with me if you would at verse number one. We'll skip around. I'll tell you what verses to turn to. But verse number one of chapter number 45 simply says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Skip down to verse number four. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into slavery. Jump down to verse number seven now, verse number seven. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Aren't you thankful for the providence and sovereignty of God this evening? And he hath, made, he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord over all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Skip now down to verse number 16. We're still continuing this story, and we'll touch on just a little bit here in just a moment. But verse number 16. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye. Laid your beast, and go and get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye. Take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come and also regard not your stuff for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way to all of them that he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father, he sent after this manner 10 asses laden with good things of Egypt and 10 she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away and they departed. And he said unto them, see that ye fall not out by the way. I want you to focus in on that last phrase of verse number 24. And 
And that's where we're really going to take our thought from tonight. But it simply says this, as Joseph was watching his brethren depart, he said unto them, see that ye fall not out by the way. See that ye fall not out by the way. Father, we look to you one last time before the preaching of your word, and I ask, Lord, that you would use it to encourage, to inspire. I ask that you would use it to challenge and to comfort us. And I ask, Lord, that if there's someone here that needs to be convicted by the power of your word, then I pray, Lord, that you would remove me from the equation and allow just your Holy Spirit to speak. And Lord, I I don't know, Lord, when I might see these dear folks again. I don't know when those that are listening to the the live stream feed, whether, Lord, we'll ever have the opportunity or chance to meet once again. But I pray, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit's work and your Holy Spirit's power, that, uh, Lord, that something said tonight, that something that would be mentioned, Lord, would be written upon our hearts, that we would determine to stay the course. And I pray, Lord, that you would use it tonight. Lord, thank you for the privilege. Thank you of the opportunity to be here. Lord, thank you for Pastor Fountain and his dear family and for the great staff that we have had the opportunity to rub shoulders with these last four years. And I pray your blessings upon this church, not just for tonight, but Lord, in the many days ahead, as Lord, they look forward to what you're going to do. Lord, we ask your blessings now. I pray that you would remove Satan and his distractions so that we might hear the word of God tonight. For it's in thy son's precious name we ask these things, for he alone is worthy. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Brother Carlos, if you can turn me down in the uh, microphone just a little bit, I I feel a little hot. Thank you, sir. Thank you. During the war between the states, most of us would call that the Civil War, the rebel and the Union soldiers were fighting a battle, and they were close to one of the houses there in uh, uh, one of the southern states. And about that time, an old grandmother lady came running out of the porch, and she grabbed her broom, and she began running after some of the uh, the enemy soldiers that were standing there. And, and to their gas, the family that was inside began to call grandmother back into the house. Grandma, get in here, get in here. You can't do anything with a broom. To which she simply, repro- she simply replied, I may not be able to do much with a broom, but at least they'll know which side I'm on. The Civil War was unlike any other war. It was the bloodiest war that was ever fought on American soil. And it was a war that would cost, up to this point, more American lives than any other war uh, has ever done so. In fact, it's been noted that men who signed up in the beginning days of the war thought that the war would only last for maybe one battle, the Battle of Manassas, the first battle there. Uh, They thought maybe that would be the ending of the war. Surely it wouldn't go more than six months within uh, that year, but it ended up dragging on and dragging on. And sure enough, within that first year, it's been noted that there was more people getting disgruntled and upset. I'm talking about the soldiers that were within both armies, and they began to just descend or they begin to leave. They begin to just, uh, in a sense, throw up the white flag and leave in the middle of the night. They would take their stuff. They would try to hide out in the woods during a battle uh, because they had had enough. In other words, they had lost sight of the reason for which they were fighting. Perhaps it was fatigue. How many of you would be fatigued if you were marched all over the place and away from your family? Perhaps it was uh, maybe some kind of unmet expectations or broken promises. Maybe there was a promise of income that they had not received or maybe the glory. Maybe that's what they were in it for and that 
that wasn't being met. And maybe it was the, just the, the horrors of war. I've never been in a war and I hope to never be in a war uh, because I can only imagine the horrors that are there and the scenes that are to be seen on a battlefield. And these men, they were leaving in great numbers, perhaps because of those unmet expectations or those broken promises. Others, I'm, I'm no doubt, others left because of low morale within their camps. I mean, think about it. Stick a bunch of stinky guys together with each other for a long period of time. And it's just like being on vacation with your family in a car. After a while, human nature begins to reveal itself, doesn't it? We begin to become selfish. We begin to become disgruntled. We begin to want our own way and we want to do things our own way and we want to once again have that control and perhaps bickering and complaining was causing that low morale. I don't know, but I do know this, that just like those that were maybe dissenting after they had signed up to fight for the cause, whether they were on the north or the south, whatever their cause might have been, they had lost sight of that cause. And therefore, it had caused their commitment to wane and they were no longer staying the course for which they had originally signed up, but they had become uncommitted and they were finding ways to get away. And they too, just like you and I, we need to guard against uncommitment. We too need to guard against those times where we get sidetracked because of perhaps discouragement or divisiveness or because of even our own complaining spirit or selfishness and how easy it is as Christians. Come on, I'm talking to all of us under the sound of my voice tonight, myself included more than anyone. How easy is it for us to get disgruntled and want to just throw in the towel and say it's not worth it? pastor preached a wonderful message this morning. If you didn't hear it, I encourage you to go back. But how many times are we like that nine-year-old where we want God to work right now and God's saying, you're not ready to drive yet. You need some more years. You need some more opportunity to mature before I give you that responsibility. Hey, so many times we in the Christian life, we get uncommitted because we don't see God work right away or we don't see God answer our, our prayers right away like we think he should and therefore those unmet expectations or those broken promises perhaps or maybe because of the low morale of those around us uh, that we begin to uh, throw in the towel, we begin to dissent and we begin to go our separate way and there's a disunity that comes amongst the people of God if we're not careful. Psalm 133, verse number one, pastor has preached a message about this before. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together in unity. But sometimes there's disunity amongst the ranks, amongst the troops. Why? Because we get sidetracked, we get distracted, we get discouraged. Tonight, I want you to see from our passage of Scripture the background, if you will, before what would take place in chapter number 45. And I'm going to do something that's probably terrible to do, but I'm going to assume that most people that are here on a Sunday night or most people that are listening via the live stream on a Sunday night have some biblical knowledge to them. And so I'm going to take for granted that most of you know the story of Joseph. Now, that might be something I'll regret later, but I'm hoping that we all have a good foundation for which to build upon on this message that we know who Joseph was. We kind of know some of the circumstances that surrounded Joseph, so that way I can be a little bit quicker in the message tonight. But I want us to establish quickly the story of Joseph. Joseph was a young man, a young man that went through the school of hard knocks. How many of you have gotten that degree yet? Twice. I like it. Joseph knew something about how life works. 
He could testify about what life had, how life had treated him, how circumstances weren't always what he had hoped for or expected, how that there were broken promises in his own life and how that there were unmet expectations in his own life. I think, just quickly, think about the troubles of life that he could talk about. I mean, he was sold into slavery and the wickedness that happened to him because of his brothers. I think of the temptations that he faced in his life. How many of you have ever heard of Potiphar's wife? And he left his coat there and he ran and he got him out of there. That's a message in and of itself. But he knew something about the temptations of life. He also knew something about the trials of life. Why? Because, excuse me, while he was there in the, uh, in the prison cell, we know that, uh, that uh, Potiphar had sent him into the prison cell because of what had taken place there with his wife. And even though it was false and the false accusations there, we know that God had a, a, a plan for him. And we see that even in the midst of the prison cell, as he was waiting, he was forgotten about. And that uh, there, the butler had forgotten of him and he knew what it was to go through the trials of life. But he also knew how to go through the triumphs of life. There is victory just ahead if we are willing to wait. I believe somebody said it this way. It's always darkest. Uh, the darkest of night is always just before the breaking of dawn. There's always on the next horizon is the victory. It's always the next mile. And because Joseph stayed faithful, because he stayed the course, he was able to see the faithfulness of God because of his own faithfulness. And he could testify of the triumphs of life. And I want you to see just very quickly tonight the story of Joseph, but specifically the text that is before us, the text that is before us. You see, we're kind of going through quickly, hitting the highlights or the high points of Joseph's life, but we come to chapter 45 where now he has revealed himself unto his brothers. He has told them who he is. He's told them where he has come from. He tells them kind of the story about how he has become the second in, uh, in rule or in command of the nation of Egypt, the most powerful nation of the world at that time, how that he had stayed faithful and he knew that it wasn't because of his brothers that he was there, but it was because of the hand of God and the sovereignty of God that had moved him into this place. And here in this passage of scripture, he's revealed himself. Pharaoh's is in the Pharaoh's house have all been uh, heard the fame thereof and have heard that Joseph's brethren have returned and now that there has been a reunion or a restoration that has taken place there. And so Pharaoh commands Joseph to go ahead and send for the entire family, which is kind of neat that Joseph had already said that. And so here we are. Can you picture it for just a moment? Maybe some of you had family visiting over the holidays or maybe you were visiting somebody uh, over the holidays and here you are, you're just about to leave, right? You're in the driveway getting ready to pull out or they're in the driveway getting ready to pull out and, they, and you have one last thing to say or somebody has one last thing to say to you. That's kind of the picture that we see here. Okay, so pretend with me for just a second. They got their wagons loaded up. They're standing on the driveway in Egypt. And Joseph says these words to him in verse number 24. So he sent his brethren away and they departed. And he said unto them, see that ye fall not out by the way. See that ye fall not out by the way. This phrase simply encapsulates the idea of not getting sidetracked or not getting off course because of the distractions that could be around us. I mean, think of it for just a second. What kind of distractions could, brother, could Joseph's brothers have, have encountered? What maybe would there have been to get them off track? Well, I believe there could have been a lot of things that could have got them off track, but this specifically is talking about uh, some inner turmoil or some infighting. 
I mean, imagine this, and I don't want to preach the message too quickly tonight because it's in several of the points, but imagine Joseph has just been revealed to you. You thought he's been dead for 20 years. Now you're traveling back with wagons and you're not in your Chevrolet, you're walking. So there's a lot of time that's gonna pass and there's a lot of thoughts that go through your mind. How many of you have ever talked to yourself on a journey or on a trip? And here they are, they're maybe pulling the, the wagons or maybe they've got a hold of the donkeys. I don't know, picture it in your mind, right? Here they are, these 11 brothers that are walking from Egypt to Canaan. It's gonna be quite a while, quite a trip. And I can just imagine their thoughts are just playing with them and toying with them. And they're thinking, man, if he wouldn't have sold him into slavery, we, would, we wouldn't be in this mess. Man, if he would have stood up, you know, and they're talking about each other a little bit in their mind, I, I can just imagine some inner turmoil being going on. And I'm imagining that there could have been some fighting that would have taken pace, uh, place because they were resurrecting the past. You see what I'm saying here tonight? They could have been resurrecting the past and it could have been blame shifting and it could have been maybe jealousy because it was so-and-so's decision, not my decision. Or maybe there was envy or maybe there was bitterness or maybe they were recalling Joseph's dreams where they would all bow down before him because he would become more powerful than they. I don't know what it might have been, but Joseph had an idea and Joseph said, hey, as you're traveling, as you're going, see that you you don't fall out by the way. We would maybe say it this way. See that you don't have a falling out with one another. See that you don't battle one another. Why? Because there's something important for you to do and you need not to fight one another. You don't need to get distracted by selfishness and pettiness. You need to stay the course. And I want you to see how important it was for them to stay the course. And I want you to see tonight why it's important for you and I to stay the course. Because friends, come on, can I be honest with us tonight? How many of us can allow pettiness to distract us from the plan that God has for us? How many of us can allow some of the, the cares of this life and the, maybe the discouragements or maybe the envy or the jealousy that we all struggle with, the bitterness maybe that's there, the comparing or the complaining that could rear its ugly head in our own lives. How many of us are prone to fail to something like that, even amongst ourselves, and allow Satan to give get us off course because we have fallen out with one another. I want you to see very quickly why it was important that Joseph's brothers don't fall out by the way, but I want you to see why it's just as important that we should not fall out by the way. Let me give you these five simple quick points. We'll be done. Number one, I want you to see why they shouldn't have fallen out of the way is because they had a message to proclaim. They had a message to proclaim. We read it there in verse number 16 and verse number, uh, through verse number 21 where Pharaoh told Joseph that he wanted them to go and to get their father and to get all of their family and to bring all of them to Canaan or from Canaan to Egypt and that he would give them the fat of the land. He told them, I want you to go and tell the message to Jacob or to Jacob, their father. I want you to bring him back. We see that Joseph's brothers had a very important message to deliver and that Joseph did not want them to fall by the wayside. Joseph didn't want them to get distracted because it was a message that he was delivering or they were delivering to his dad and he wanted them to be reunited. And boy, how much is there right here just for us to stop and think about tonight? Think about the application. You and I too, we have a message to deliver. We have a message to proclaim to a lost and dying world that there is a God and he saves and salvation is for all. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, why you and I shouldn't get distracted in 2021? Because we have a message to proclaim tonight. 
We have a story to tell to the nations. We have the blood-bought son of Jesus Christ who loves all men, and we have the opportunity to reunite God's children with him as we share the message of Christ. Let's not get sidetracked. You know, the devil doesn't mind how the message gets stopped. He doesn't mind if you don't go soul winning because it's too cold or windy. He doesn't mind if you don't tell the cashier lady because you have the excuse that you didn't bring your purse or your tracks. He doesn't mind if you don't talk up to that store clerk or that person buying gas with you because you're an introvert and not an extrovert, whatever. He doesn't mind the excuses we use as long as it stops us from sharing the message. My friend, that's how we get sidetracked. That's how the devil gains a little bit more ground. You see, we've chosen a side that we're going to be on tonight. Amen? Amen. You're here. You've chosen a side. But don't forget, you have a message to proclaim just as Joseph's brothers had a message to proclaim. We, too, are to proclaim the message that Jesus saves. We are to let our light shine and to share his message in the days ahead. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We must not fall out, by the way, because we have a message to proclaim. But secondly, I see the other reason we must not fall out, by the way, is because we have treasures to attain. We have treasures to attain. Look at verse number 20, if you would, very quickly in chapter 45. The Bible says, also regard not your stuff. Also regard not your stuff. I like it when the Bible uses plain English right there. Stuff. Right? I can understand that word. How many of you have stuff? How many of you got some stuff this past week, right? I like it. Stuff. Joseph clearly instructed his brothers, just like what Pharaoh had instructed him, to not worry about their stuff. Now, this could go several ways. We'll talk about the obvious way in just a minute. But stuff could possibly be referring to the past, not to worry about their past, what had happened in the past. Anybody remember? Joseph, their brother, has been sold into slavery. They're, they've been living a lie that Joseph has been killed. There's some past that Joseph was encouraging them not to resurrect. Some of us have some past that needs to stay buried. Amen? God has forgiven us of that passion. It's buried in the deepest sea, not to be remembered anymore. And the devil wants us to remember it. The devil wants us to rehearse it. The devil wants to bring it back to us. The devil wants us to remember that in 2020, in January, we made these great decisions that we were going to do this and this and this and these New Year's resolutions, and it only lasted for about a month, and we fell by the wayside a little bit. The devil wants us to dwell on that, but that's not what Joseph wanted them to dwell on. Joseph didn't want them to dwell on the past. He said, don't regard your stuff. Just go get your family. He's not just talking about maybe the past. He's also talking about their physical stuff. The physical stuff, what we're talking about tonight. Not to regard their stuff. How many of you have ever been on a trip? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever moved? Uh, This is fresh on my mind for some reason. You find out what stuff's essential when you move. And you start giving a lot of stuff away or taking it to goodwill, in our case. Stuff. We think we need more stuff. Only in America do we park our cars outside of our garage because we got all the stuff filling our garages up. Only in America do we pay for the storage units to hold all of our 
Stuff, yeah, you got it. You're, you're on, you're on track tonight. Don't look at him. I saw that. <laughs> stuff. We think we need to have stuff. If you've ever taken a trip, you know how much stuff can be accumulated. Us guys, we tell the family we're taking vacation, right, Pastor? And we go out to the car and we throw our duffel bag in. We're good for the next two weeks. We got our duffel bag. The wife comes out. She says, honey, I need some help. And we got four different bags that are as big as Aunt Bertha. And we start pulling those out. If you have an Aunt Bertha, I apologize. <laughs> we start bringing those things out. And then all of a sudden she says, oh, don't forget the others. And you're thinking, the others? Good night. And you start pulling other bags out. And then if you have kids, there's another 100 bags on top of that for all the outfits the kids need. There can be a lot of stuff. Joseph told his brethren, don't regard your stuff. When you get there, don't waste time gathering all of your stuff. Why? Because there's greater provision awaiting you in Egypt. There's greater provision just awaiting you. There's blessing that is here. All I want you to do is go get your families. Don't waste time getting your stuff. Why? Because we can get sidetracked by stuff, can't we? I, 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 I better not start preaching on this point, but can I just say it this way? 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. What are those things? Well, the attainment of stuff, my position, my possessions, right? Come on, you're with me tonight. We can get caught up in the affections or the stuff of, th of this life, and it is not fulfilling. It has no purpose in the plan of God. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a nice car or you can't have nice clothes or you can't have a nice house, but if you have to check with those things before you serve God, you might have an idol before you. Your stuff might have a place in your heart that it's not supposed to have. Matthew chapter six goes on to say this in verse number 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Decades later, Moses in Egypt, it would be said of him, as he left the riches of Egypt, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 26, that he esteemed the reproach of Christ of greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. You see, the brothers were encouraged not to go back to Canaan and to go through item by item and make sure, well, I've, I've got to have this and I've got to have that. And, oh, I better use that. I've not used it in five years, but I better hold on to it just in case I need to use it. Come on, we've all been there. Come on. Well, we struggle with giving up our stuff. Why? Because we think that's what measures our success in this life or that's what makes us somebody. But Joseph was telling his brethren, don't worry about your stuff. Just go get your family. Go get my father and bring him back. Don't get sidetracked by going or by worrying about your stuff, your stuff. But then I see number three. Verse number 19 then tells us about the third reason we should not fall out by the way, because there's a generation to be reclaimed. There's a generation for you and I to reclaim for the cause of Christ. Look at verse number 19. There's just this one simple phrase that says, Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones. For your little ones. You see, Joseph knew 
that in order for the family line to be sustained for the growing family of Jacob and all the offspring that were there and that were coming, that they needed to bring the next generation with them. Why were the brothers in Egypt in the first place? Because there was a famine in the land and Jacob had sent the sons, his sons, the brothers to go to Egypt to get provision. Why? Because Egypt had made the provision necessary for not only their own, but also for others to be able to feed them during those years of famine. And so they were in Egypt for the very reason of keeping their families alive and getting the provision that was needed. And so they knew that Egypt had the provision and they would come and they would get that provision and take it back to their loved ones. Why? So they could have a prosperity. But what did Joseph say here in the passage? He said, it's not you that sent me here. It was God. God sent me here to protect or to provide a posterity, a heritage, a means by which our family line can continue. But that's only if we bring along the next generation. Look around you tonight. Physically, look around you tonight. Where is the next generation? Where are the teenagers at tonight? Where are the young people at tonight? I'm thankful for a church that reaches out to young people. I'm thankful for a children's pastor that puts his heart into teaching and training young people. I am thankful for a youth pastor and his wife that are willing and able to reach out to young people. Why? Because there are hope. They're the next generation. But there are some churches that there is no next generation. There are some churches that have left the next generation behind. But we, why should we not fall out by the way? Because of the next generation that's coming behind us. They need somebody to hold up the light of truth. They need somebody to be faithful. They need somebody to mentor and to model for them what the Christian life is like. Parents, can I speak to you for just a moment? Grandparents, I'm going to speak to you too. The next generation or our children are not going to buy into Christianity if we keep caving into our culture. We must teach the word of God, but most importantly, we must model its teachings. Let me just give you a couple. I'll move on to this next point, but Mark 12, 30 says it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. And there goes on in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. How about this? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. How many of us want to take out the map and direct our own path at times? Because we want to lean onto our own understanding. Our children are watching us. They're watching how we make decisions. They're watching what we do with our lives. They're watching how we treat one another and what we do with our relationship with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25, probably the most quoted scripture verse of 2020. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Hey, if we're not at church, then why would our children be at church? Why would our grandchildren want to be at church if we're continuing to stop and to find excuses to fall out by the way and to not be at church? 
How about this one? Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. Go ye into all the world. Who's that ye? It's you. It's me. It's usins going into the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Are you doing it? Because there's a generation coming behind you that's watching. What are we mentoring? Moses would say it this way in Deuteronomy chapter six, the, the Shema, he said, and thou shalt teach them diligently. Teach what? The words of God, the commands of God. We're to teach them diligently to our children. We're to pass it on to the next generation. You see, churches change. Churches change a lot. But it's because of the changes of the Christians. The question is, is, is that change gonna be for the better or for the worse? So what changes will you make this year? What changes will you add to our church here as a Christian? Because it's not the building that makes up the church, it's the people. And we're not gonna have a next generation if we get distracted and fall out, by the way. We must stay faithful because there is a generation that needs to be reclaimed for Christ. Number four, we're almost done. I see fourthly, there are relationships to be restored. There are relationships to be restored. As you and I stay faithful, as we continue to stay the course, we, are, we have a message to proclaim, no doubt, that Jesus saves. There are treasures to attain, not in this life, but in the life to come. And we are excited about what God has for us that we can't even begin to fathom or think. But also there is a generation that needs to be reclaimed as we stay faithful, as we stay the course, that they're gonna see that God is true and that God does provide and we will not see the righteous forsaken. But I see, fourthly, that there are relationships to be restored. Look down at verse number 27 as the brothers had finally returned home and as they told Jacob all that had happened, verse number 27, as they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them, and when he, that is Jacob, when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, was revived. You know, there's not much that can weaken a relationship more than bitterness, envy, jealousy, and false pretense. Don't you think, just put yourself in the brother's shoes for a moment. You've been living a lie for possibly up to 20 years at this point. And every step of that journey, you're taking those camels and those wagons back to the father whom you have lied to for those entire 20 years. Do you not think at some point on the journey that there would be a humbling taking place? There would be a restored relationship once they got there if they were willing to humble themselves and admit their own sin. I can only imagine as they took each step forward that they were thinking about, I'm gonna have to confess my sin to my father. I'm gonna have to tell my father that I lied. I don't know how many of you are perfect children like pastor was, but I know even pastor didn't wanna tell his father everything that he got in trouble for. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? There were things that mom said, wait till your father gets home. And then father got home and mom said, now do you tell him. And if you're like Cooper, you go. Because you know you don't want to tell dad. But imagine here are these grown men living a lie. And they're about to have to tell their father their son is alive. You mean the one that you said was dead? The one whose coat you gave me with the blood on it? Yeah, dad, that one. He's alive. How's that? Well, Dad, we lied to you. Imagine the humility that had to take place. This event would have been weighing on their minds every step they took. But, oh, when they humbled themselves 
And when they told their father and his spirit was revived, you know what I see? I see some restored relationships. I see that the brothers finally got the weight off of their chest that they had been carrying for far too long. Friend, I ask you tonight, who is it today that you need to humble yourself before and ask for forgiveness? Who is it tonight that you need to go to and say, because of bitterness or jealousy or false pretense, it's kept me from the sweet unity and fellowship that you and I should enjoy? Don't go into this new year harboring that. Don't live that lie for the next 20 plus years like they did. Humble yourself and watch God do something amazing with it. But I also see not only did the brothers restore their relationship, I also see Joseph was looking forward to that restored relationship. And I think about this just very quickly. It's obvious he hadn't seen his father in 20 plus years. He was excited to see dad. Go and tell my father, bring him. Don't regard your stuff. Get here as fast as you can. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Just get there and get back. Why? Because I want to be restored to a relationship with my father. This was a moment, no doubt, that Joseph dreamed about. He had hoped for his entire life, and he was excited to one day be reunited with his father. I think it's obvious tonight, you and I should be hoping and dreaming for the day that we're going to be reunited with our heavenly father, and even so come Lord Jesus, I don't know about you, but I'm excited to meet him. I'm excited to be there. And I see the restored relationship of Joseph, but let's not forget Jacob. Jacob had to offer forgiveness to his brothers or to his sons, rather. He had to be willing as the lies were revealed and as the information was given and as he saw the wagons in the I can say it this way, the proof in the pudding that there was something special going on, that he had to be willing to offer the forgiveness. And again, I think the application is obvious to us tonight. Who is it that you need to forgive? Not just who do you need to go ask forgiveness from, but who do you need to extend forgiveness to? You see, Jacob was an old man. Can you imagine traveling out in the deserts of Israel and Egypt and that whole area. Could you imagine traveling in those days? You didn't have a nice air-conditioned car. And if you're an old man and you're on those bumpy roads, it's gonna be tiresome and hurtful. He was gonna need the help of his sons. Yeah, the sons that just confessed to lying to him. Imagine that family reunion as they're sitting around the Thanksgiving or Christmas table. Come on, let's use our imagination tonight. Jacob had to be just as humble as his, as his sons did to offer that forgiveness. There's not gonna be restored relationships unless there's forgiveness that's offered. So we have relationships to be restored. That's why we need to stay the course. You know why? Because there could be some family at work. Oh, you only know the husband because he's the one you work with. But he's uh, having some rough spots in his, wet, or in his marriage right now. And he needs the influence of a Christian that he can see that there's a God who loves him so that he can be restored unto his heavenly father so that he can offer that forgiveness and restoration to his wife. What about some of you? Maybe there's a a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, and there's that restoration that's needed, but that's not going to happen if you and I aren't faithful. Imagine how different the story of the prodigal son would be if the prodigal son came to himself and he woke himself up from eating the pig's food and he ran to his father's house only to find his, his father was gone and moved on and was no more, had given up, threw in the towel, 
dissented. I mean, imagine how different that story would be. You know, there's some of you that you've been praying for a prodigal son or daughter or a prodigal family member. And by you staying faithful, it might just be what they need so that they can have that restored relationship. And then lastly, and I'm done. Why should you and I stay faithful? Why should we stay the course? Why should we not fall out by the way? It's very simple, lastly. Because of the Father that we adore. Because of the Father that you and I adore. You see, Joseph was so excited to get his father back because he adored his father. And I believe along the journey of that trip, the brothers finally came to their senses and they humbled themselves and they told their father all that had taken place. And you know what? I think partly why they did that was because they loved their father. They did. They adored him. And they wanted to see the, their father's spirit revived. And verse number 28 says, by Jacob's own mouth, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. The end of the story, the father's pleased. Jacob was a happy man. Relationships were restored. The family was, was reunited. But could you imagine if the brothers got distracted along the journey? if they would have gotten sidetracked, if they would have started fighting each other and they had gotten lost, by the way, imagine how different the story would be if they decided to abandon their mission, if the cost of humility was too great or too high and they were no longer willing to pay that price. What if they just left their families altogether? Hey, they could have been killed by thieves. Their family would never know. Or what if they would have returned to Egypt, wagons and all, and their Families and their father would have asked, wow, where did you get all this stuff? Oh, the guy that, oh, the guy that runs it was pretty kind and he gave us all this stuff. Let's move on. What if they would have continued to live the lie that they were already living? The story would have been much different. How would Jacob have ever have known anyways, right? For 20 plus years, they'd kept Joseph a secret to him. But that's not how the story goes. The story goes that they humbled themselves and they came and they stayed the course and because they loved their father, because they wanted to please their father, that for 20 years perhaps they hadn't seen a smile cross his face, yet here in verse number 28, he was revived. Verse 27, he was revived and he says, it is enough and I want to go see my son. One day, every Christian who has ever lived will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And in that day, you and I will give an account of our lives before the God of heaven. My question to you tonight is, will your father be pleased with you? Will your father be pleased? Because you stayed the course. You know how hard it is to stay the course? It's tough. It's easier to preach it than it is to do it. Because we get sidetracked. We get distracted. We get discouraged. But I want to encourage you just like Paul encouraged the believers and specifically Timothy, with his last words, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And then he goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 4, for I, Timothy, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know what Paul was simply telling Timothy? Timothy, stay the course. Stay the course. I did it, and you can do it. Friends, others have done it, and you can do it. You've just got to determine to do it. You know, the battles are going to be long. The wars are going to be hard. There are going to be perhaps some casualties, no doubt. 
But like that old woman in the story, you've got your broom and you've chosen your side. But now you've got to stay committed to it. You've got to stay committed. You've got to be faithful. Whether it's a year from now that I see you or you see me, will we stay faithful? Whether it's 10 years from now and we see each other again, will we be faithful? What if it's uh, 20 years from now and the Lord takes us home in the rapture and we're there at heaven at the pearly gates and Peter's always standing at the pearly gates. You don't ever find it, but he's always there. What if we're standing there and Peter says, hey, have you seen Veronica? Here she is. Well, we'll be able to say to each other, we finished our course. We stayed faithful. Friends, tonight, I hope that you, just like I desire, is in this life or the next, when we see each other again, we'll all have the privilege of hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But that's not gonna happen if you fall out by the way. Determine today to stay committed. New year upon you, stay committed. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.